Welcome to The House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. It's good to be with you. Uh, welcome to the house. If we haven't met, as Chad said, my name's Oliver, and I uh, hope we get a chance to meet maybe next weekend at our newcomer's lunch. Um, it's always a great time. Those Costco sandwiches, they, they never disappoint. Um, they're amazing. So uh, hope to, to meet you soon. But as Chad mentioned, we are in the middle of a three-week series around our vision. And, you know, we have this mission as a church that I think most churches have of making fully committed followers of Jesus, but our vision becomes the way that, that we kind of try to do that as a community, that, that we imagine that taking place in our community. And we have uh, three phrases that kind of summarize that vision. You find them on the wall in our coffee shop. You find them on our website. They are to encounter the Spirit, empower people, and embody Jesus in our city. And last week, Chad spoke on this value of encountering the Spirit, this kind of key value for us, both in our gatherings and in our everyday lives, to be people who meet with God and are filled by His Spirit. But Chad said something interesting last week, that um, our vision is really like a blueprint for our community. They're both what we are and what we aspire to be and where we're going, like what we aspire to become. They're both who we are right now and also the roadmap for where we want to go as a community. And I hope last week, as Chad spoke, your hunger for God, to encounter God, to be filled with His Spirit, began to grow and was stirred up because that's where we have to begin, knowing who God is, experiencing His presence with us. But the story doesn't end there. And this week we explore the second statement of empower people. And it's only fitting that we do because this vision statement really kind of flows out of the first one. In Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus has been with his disciples. He's been raised from the dead and he's about to leave them. He's giving them just a couple final words in Acts chapter 1. And he tells them this in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, like you will have an encounter that will fill you with power. This is the encountering the Spirit vision. You are going to meet with the Spirit in a powerful, profound way. And then he says this, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's this experience we have of God that's not just for us. And that's actually an important point, because when we make our experience of God the end goal... We end up kind of floating around. We, we, we go from thing to thing, from church to church, from preacher to preacher, kind of looking for someone, something or someone to, to fill us, to give us some sort of experience, to inspire us, to help us encounter God. And we end up kind of just drifting around, looking for the next experience, looking to recreate the old experience that we had. And so while there is this vital element of encountering the Spirit, it doesn't end there. There's also this, this move outward as God empowers us by His Spirit outward. And I want to explore that a little bit this morning. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4, 11 to 6. He says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility 
is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that, the, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his, uh, head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So it was 2011, I was 17 years old, and I found myself in this youth room in my old church in Cranbrook, BC. And it was, a, it was one of those rooms that every big church has. It's like the multi-purpose room, right? Which just simply means it's, it's, it's very boring, right? You can't do anything with it because multiple people need to use it. And so this was the youth room that I spent a, a, lot, a lot of time in growing up. And it, it, you, can, you can picture it in your head. It was a square box. It was like a square room, and it had gray carpet. Like, picture the worst carpet you can imagine. Gray, boring carpet. That was that carpet. Uh, the walls were painted a very light gray, just a very you know, inviting color, and the, the trim and the doors complemented all of the gray in the room with just an off gray. So the whole room, like, just totally gray. It was so bad, it was almost trendy. Like, it was almost cool for a moment. But I didn't particularly care about any of that, because God had met me that year, and he was doing something in my heart and in my life. I had encountered the Spirit that year, and somehow it didn't matter where we met and whether the, the room I was in felt like an oversized, lifeless storage container. That didn't matter to me. And our church had been in transition that year. Our lead pastor had moved on, our worship pastor had moved on, and our youth pastor had just resigned. And so I got voluntold to be part of a youth leadership team, to like step in in the interim and be part of this group of 12 uh, you know, young people to kind of you know, bridge the gap between one youth pastor to the next. And so there I was on a Wednesday night, and someone, somewhere, somehow, had said, Oliver should bring the message for this prayer night on a Wednesday in the middle of summer. And I don't know why or how that request came up, because I didn't have any Bible college experience. I didn't have any ministry experience. The only thing I had going for me at the time was a willing heart. And I hadn't done much public speaking. In fact, I had done no public speaking. Most of my high school years, I spent just trying to like be the cool kid and fit in and be relevant. And really just that meant like partying on the weekends and trying to, trying to be cool with my friends. But none of that seemed to matter to me anymore either because I'd encountered the Spirit of God. And when you encounter the Spirit, everything else just takes a different priority in your life. Being cool lost its significance, at least for a moment. <laughs> And so I was there on a Wednesday night, and I scribbled down a few notes on a page and preached a message to about 50 people from our church, those poor people. And there are different ways to preach, right? You know this if you've been around and you've been around here even. Uh, we have a number of different voices here. There are different ways to preach. Ed, for example, he's, he's a storyteller, right? He draws us in with these elaborate, amazing, compelling, inspiring stories. He inspires us 
through stories. And that's a gift to us. And there are teachers of the Bible, people who you know, open scripture and unpack it and make it relevant and applicable and understandable for, for you and I. And then that's a gift to us. And then there are people like Chad, and they inspire us through heartfelt moments. They have the spiritual gift of being able to cry on demand at any point in the sermon. <laughs> they just, it's like, boom, and there you are, and you're drawn in, right? Like you, you feel the moment, you feel the emotion. And that's a gift to us as well. And I didn't have anything going for me that night. I had none of that. <laughs> the only thing I had going for me that night was a little bit of passion and a willing heart. I was so passionate because I had encountered the Spirit that year. God was doing something in my life and I was ready to say yes to anything. I was willing. And so I rambled my way through a 30-minute sermon, but after the night, one of the elders of the church was there and he came up to me and he said, hey, I loved what you shared. Would you consider sharing that on a Sunday morning for our whole church? And, and you have to understand kind of what that invitation meant for me. The church I was in was one of those churches that had like a large, a massive auditorium. It fit like over 1,200 people. It didn't fill over 1,200 people, but it fit over 1,200 people. And it had this big spire that went like, hundreds of feet up. It was, you could see it anywhere in town. It was this massive stage. And the pastors who preached on Sundays were not like me at all. They, they wore beige suits and they had shiny shoes and they had pastor voices. You know, like they, that, that tone of voice, that's like, you know it's a pastor. They used big words like justification and sanctification. And I didn't know any of that. I was just a punk back then. I was a skateboarder. Some of you think I probably still am a punk, uh, and that's fine. But I was a skateboarder, so I wore a backwards hat every day that year, and my jeans were somehow tighter than they were right now. I was like, that was my look. That was my look. I was cool. I was cool then. What business did I have talking to a, an average demographic of somewhere around the age of 45 in this massive auditorium? The truth is, I had no business preaching there. <laughs> I had no training. I had no education. I had no mentoring, no coaching, no one who said, hey, here's how you write a sermon. I just started scribbling notes down on a page. And so a couple months later, I once again rambled my way through a message that was probably like 40 minutes instead of 30. I really juiced it up with the rambling. I, I added a few extra words that probably didn't need to be in there. And I found my way, you know, talking about how God's love is something we receive and we don't earn it. And that was probably the only day that entire year I didn't wear a backwards hat. But I'm so thankful that my church took a chance, a risk on a 17-year-old skateboarder kid because that day a seed was planted in my heart for what God was gonna do and begin to grow in me that I knew nothing about, a calling and a gifting that I knew nothing about at the time. And it hasn't been a straight line since that day. <laughs> but there have been people who have fanned into flame that gifting and that calling. People who mentored me, people who encouraged me, people who affirmed me, at times people who rebuked or challenged or corrected me. And all of it led me to believe that God not only wants to do something in me, but also through me. And in the same way, God not only wants to do something in you, he wants to do something through you. And according to Paul, that is the role of church leaders. 
to fan into flame whatever God wants to do through you, to fan into flame the unique calling and gifting that you have. Or to put it another way, to empower people. Paul says it this way, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So when Paul thinks about the church, he sees a flowchart in his mind, at least I see a flowchart in my mind, which we'll put on the screen here for you. Something like this, Christ gives the leaders of the church to empower people to do his work. Or some translations, if you have your Bible open, some translations will say the work of ministry. And that word ministry, we so often tend to think it's like church stuff. It's like reserved for the church stuff on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday youth. Like churchy kind of things is ministry kind of things. But that word is so much bigger than just what happens in this building. In fact, some translations will just translate that Greek word as service. In other words, Christ gives leaders of the church to empower people to serve or to works of service. And that service might look like praying for someone, might look like serving here at our church, but it might just look like inviting someone over for dinner or providing for someone's practical needs. But whatever it looks like, the end goal is that each person is empowered to serve or to do ministry. And unfortunately, this isn't always the model that we think of when we come to think of church and our place in church. We tend to think of a model that looks something a little bit more like this. Christ gives people to empower leaders, church leaders, to grow the church or do ministry. Like, God gives people to kind of resource church leaders to do ministry, as though there's like this group of people, paid professionals, who quote unquote do ministry, and everyone else is just sort of here to like cheer them on and give money and like woohoo, like you know, do the ministry. And we kind of stay in our lane and everyone else, you know, gets to do ministry, the, the paid professionals. The end goal in this flow chart is our church, <laughs> growing our influence, growing our programs, growing our attendance, whatever it is you might want to fill the blank in. One author calls this form of church vampire church because it inevitably sucks the very life out of people in an effort to grow an institution. Instead of asking the question, how can we empower people to step into their unique calling and gifting, this model asks the question, how can we use people to grow our church or our brand or institution or our organization or our reach, our impact? So let me be clear, this is not our vision. When we think about you, our community, we don't think about how we can use you to kind of plug you into the system that we have to grow our church, to grow our brand, to grow our programs. When we think about you, we think about how can we empower you to serve in your unique context and with your unique personality and stage of life and age and gifts and experience in your unique location? How can we empower you to step into all that God has for you, not just here for us? At its most basic level, to empower people means to help you step into the unique calling and purpose God has for your life. And sometimes that can look like serving here at the church, in a role as a community group leader on our prayer team and kids, wherever it might be. Sometimes that can look like that. 
but it's not limited to what's happening here in our building. It's bigger than a title that you have in the church. It's bigger than a role you have in our organization. It has to be bigger. Maybe you have a gift of hospitality and you serve in our coffee shop and that's amazing. We need you there. We need that gift. But maybe you have a gift of hospitality and you just throw the best block parties in your neighborhood and people know you as like the very welcoming and kind of weird, like almost weirdly welcoming neighbor who just always wants to invite people in. Maybe you have a gift of leadership and you serve on Alpha or in a community group and that's amazing, we need you there. But maybe you have a gift of leadership and you're just an excellent business owner that people love to work for. Maybe you are just a caring person. You have this gift of just being able to empathize and care for people and you serve on our prayer team and that's amazing. But maybe you have a gift of caring and you're just an excellent therapist who hears people out and listens and gives them a time of day. There are many ways we try to empower you to serve here at the house, but ministry has to move outside of our walls and our programs and our staff because the church is at its best when we move outward, when we move outside of this space. Paul says this, each, as each part does its own special work, it helps all the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It's not about us having the best midweek programs for you to kind of plunk yourself into. And it's not about us finding the best preacher who can draw a crowd. In fact, we've never had just one voice from the front for, for this reason. It's not about one voice or one person's gift. It's not about one person and it's not about what happens here from the front. It's about what happens when you and I leave this place. That's where the magic happens. That's where God begins to take what we give him and empower us to use it to build his kingdom, not just our church. Sky Jatani writes this. He says, the greatest resource God has given this planet are his redeemed and spirit-filled people. Our job is not to collect and protect them like animals in a zoo, but to equip and release them into the wild of the world. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that, there's part of me that goes, yes, I'm in. Wow, God wants to empower me of all people. But there's also part of me that gets nervous and anxious. And maybe you feel that. Because we have our own inadequacies, right? We feel when we come before the Lord, when we think about our calling, our gifting, our experience, we go, man, I don't have enough of something. Maybe your prayer life isn't all together. Maybe you don't know the Bible like you think you should. Maybe you don't have the experience like you think you should. Maybe you have doubts about the Christian faith and who God is and you're wrestling through all of that. In some ways, if we're honest, we might actually prefer to leave ministry to like the professionals, right? To kind of stay in our lane and let them just kind of do ministry on, uh, in their lane. Because it's actually easier that way. We don't have to bring much to ministry. We don't have to bring our, our baggage and our inexperience and our inadequacy. It's simpler that way. But the church is at its best when each part contributes, when each person contributes in the unique way God has gifted and called you. And God has gifted and called you. He has. It might not look like the person next to you, but that person's calling and gifting might not look like the gifting and calling you have. Each part, we need each person to bring what they have. We are better together. We come together and there's this beautiful 
symphony of what God is doing that's created. God not only wants to do something in you, but also through you. It might not look like the person next to you, but there is a unique and beautiful contribution you have to offer as you step into that calling. God doesn't wait till we have everything figured out, right? He doesn't require a certain level of Bible knowledge. He doesn't require a certain level of prayer. He doesn't require a certain level of experience before he empowers us to be part of what he's doing. The key that unlocks everything else is just simply a willing heart. That's it. That is the only requirement. God is so gracious to invite each one of us, regardless of our age, our background, our stage of life, our experience, our status, if we're willing. So when you see those words, empower people on the wall, know that our desire is not simply to empower our staff or our volunteers or our church you know, professionals, but to empower you in a unique way, in your unique context. Know that it's less about what's happening here in our building and here from the front and more about what's happening out there when you leave this place because we're at our best when we move outside of these walls, when each one of us steps into the unique calling and gifting God has given us, empowered by his spirit to serve, to do ministry. I was 17 when I started to believe that maybe, just maybe, God could use me to do some good in his kingdom, to be part of this story that he was writing in our world. Ironically, just this week, we met with a guy who, came to us feeling like God is calling him and stirring him to full-time vocational ministry and he wants to come and work with us to be empowered and equipped to someday be released into full-time ministry. And so in an ironic way, you know, there's this cycle where God empowers us and he brings people in and we get to empower them. But whether you're 17 or 70 or some other age, whether you are a stay-at-home parent or working full-time, whether you know your Bible front to back or you barely know your Bible at all, know that God wants to not only do something in you but through you. He has gifted you. There's a gift you bring that only you bring. There's a unique contribution you have that only you have. And the only requirement, the key that unlocks everything else is a willing heart, heart that says, here I am, use me, here I am. So I wanna pray for us that God would begin to help us, help you, help me see ourselves in the story. We so quickly think of someone else. God could use that person. Man, that person's got it all figured out. God is using them. We so quickly kind of avoid the whole idea that God might wanna use me, that God might wanna use you in your unique stage of life, in your context, in your neighborhood, your friends and family, in your sphere of influence. The key that unlocks everything else is a willing heart. Would you stand with me and pray? Just bring to mind with me before we pray, bring to mind with me where you spend the most time your home, your dorm room, your neighborhood, your street, your work, your class, your friends, your family. What might it look like 
for us to go this week into all those spaces scattered all across the city in West Kelowna and Vernon, into those spaces empowered by God's Spirit to serve. Man, what a beautiful invitation. So Lord, we think of these places, these ordinary places we spend most of our time. Lord, would you empower us to be your witnesses in those places? Would you empower us, Jesus, to represent you in those places, to be Jesus, to be your presence to those around us? to bring whatever it is that we bring, however you've wired us, however you've uniquely crafted us, to bring that gift to the people around us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us? Come, Holy Spirit, pour your Spirit out on us. Equip, empower. God, where there's inadequacy, where there's doubt, where there's baggage and failure, would you just strengthen and bring the power of your Spirit into those places? to equip, empower, and then release us into the wild of the world. We thank you, God, that you would use us, me, these people here, in the story that you're writing. So we say yes, Holy Spirit, to whatever you want to do in us. As we've sung, as we've prayed, we say yes, come and do what only you can do in us. I thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen.